the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. LCC Brandon. Faith Talk Tampa. Online at Let's Talk Download the Faith Talk Tampa app. The following is sponsored by Verse by Verse Ministries and is pre recorded. So don't worry about God giving evildoers some measure of success and prosperity because that success and prosperity is so short lived. Instead, make sure that your priority is to obey the Lord and then just trust Him to be faithful to His promise to meet all of your needs. The Apostle Paul said, and my God shall supply all of your needs according to his riches, Christ Jesus. My God will supply all your needs. What an amazing promise. Not only will he give us whatever we need to obey him, he will do so according to his riches and glory. That is huge, but it doesn't mean that God plans to give each of us a life of luxury. He has a unique plan for each of us. At the very end of John's Gospel, Peter saw John and asked Jesus, What about this man? Jesus responded, If I want him to remain until I come, what is that to you? He didn't mean that John would live that long. He simply meant that he had a plan for Peter and another one for John. And they were very different plans. Just as his plan for you is not the same as for me. Hi, thanks for tuning in today to Verse by Verse with Pastor Steve Kreloff of Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. Today we'll be finishing up Pastor Steve's first message in this series from Psalm 37, Fret Not Because of Evildoers. If you missed either of the first two parts, stick around till the end of the class and I'll let you know how you can get caught up. A financial advisor in our area advertises that it's about the dash. He means that little horizontal line on your tombstone between the day you're born and the day you die. Most of us want to accumulate as much as we can during that fleeting moment in time. Some of us don't care how we do it either, and understandably, that upsets the rest of us when we see them get away with it. But Jesus said in Mark 8.36, What does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? We inhabit these bodies for such an incredibly brief time in the grand scheme of eternity that the only thing that matters about that dash is how we use it to glorify Jesus and prepare for what follows. In Psalm 37, King David reminds us to think ahead to when this life is over and not focus on stuff that won't last. Here's Pastor Steve with our lesson. Putting this in a contemporary setting, that great Bible teacher James Montgomery Boyce had this to say about the future of the wicked. Commenting on verse 20, he wrote this. The text says that although the wicked flourish like the beauty of the fields, they will vanish, vanish like smoke. He said, we speak of the beautiful people, meaning Hollywood entertainers, high fashion models, those with exceptional wealth or influence and other celebrities. These people seem to flourish like field flowers after spring rains, but like flowers, they soon vanish. Beauty fades, popularity wanes, wealth overextends itself and is lost, and influence passes to other hands. Listen, this life is very transitory, meaning that it's fleeting, it's brief, and those who are believers in the Lord Jesus Christ will one day live with 
him forever in the glories of heaven, we ought not to waste our time, not waste our our energy on being upset with those who have just a few brief years of prosperity. The Bible calls us to, to think about eternity, what the future holds, and it's in light of eternity that we are then to view this world and its material wealth. That's the way we're to live. This is the way men and women of faith have always lived. Moses lived this way. The Bible tells us that in Hebrews chapter 11, the great faith chapter in the New Testament. We read this starting in verses 20, in verse 24, going in verse 26. By faith, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to endure ill treatment with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin, considering the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures of Egypt. Here's the reason why, for he was looking for the reward. He had a forward look. What we read here is that Moses chose to identify with the Jewish people, his own flesh and blood, the people of God, and to suffer as one of them rather than enjoy the passing luxuries and pleasures of Egypt. He had been adopted by the daughter of Pharaoh. He lived in the palace, but he rejected all that because he understood what true riches really were. And the reason he had this perspective on life is because we learn here in Hebrews 11, because by faith he kept his eyes fixed on what the future held for him, heaven. When the writer says he he looked forward to the reward, that's what he's talking about, the reward of heaven. That's what he's looking forward to. See, Moses didn't allow the values of this world to govern his thinking because he looked forward to a better world, as I said, meaning heaven. And the writer to the Hebrews tells us that that's the way all the Old Testament men and women of faith live. By faith, they looked ahead, as he puts it, to a better country. Abraham lived this way, verse 10, for he was looking for the city which has foundations, whose architect and builder is God. Other men and women of faith had the same perspective, starting at verse 13. And all these died in faith without receiving the promises, but having seen them, having welcomed them from a distance, and having confessed that they were strangers and exiles on the earth, for those who say such things make it clear that they are seeking a country of their own. And indeed, if they had been thinking of that country from which they went out, they would have had opportunity to return. He's saying they weren't thinking about an earthly country, verse 16, but as it is, they desire a better country that is a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. So understand this. If you are a Christian, a real Christian, a believer in Christ, then everything in this universe belongs to you. Even if you have very little in this world, it belongs to you because all that Jesus Christ has, the Bible says, is yours. And what does he have? Everything. This is what the Bible means when it says that you are an heir of God and a joint heir of Christ. Paul told the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians 3, he says, all things belong to you and you belong to Christ. Now, we have not come into our inheritance yet, but we will in the future. So the point is, don't fret over those unbelievers who are enjoying things now. You know what? Because that's all they're going to get. That's it. Let them enjoy it. 
That's all they get. And then they die. It's just for a brief time. They'll be gone. Death will come upon them, and they will spend, if they don't trust Christ, they will spend eternity in hell. This is what Jesus was talking about when he said, what shall it profit a man if he gain the whole world and lose his own soul? What difference does it make if a man has everything that this world has to offer, but he loses his soul and he spends eternity lost without another chance? What difference does it make if for a few brief years he enjoys material luxuries if he's lost forever? So if you find yourself becoming upset, annoyed, envious, jealous, because some evildoer you know has more things than you. See what your attitude really is. It is sin. It is sin. It is sinful pride. It's a spirit of covetousness and greediness and an unhealthy love and attachment to the things of this world. This is precisely what the Apostle John was addressing in 1 John chapter 2 when he said, do not love the world, nor the things of the world. If anyone loves this world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the boastful pride of life, it's not from the Father, it's from the world. And then he said, the world is passing away. Same thing that David is saying. It's just brief, it's passing away. Also, it's lust, but the one who does the will of God lives forever, meaning believers live forever. The world passes away. Don't, don't hold on to it. Don't love it. Don't be so attached to it. Don't love the things that are here today and gone tomorrow. And don't be upset over those individuals who have the things that are here today and gone tomorrow because they will pass away with all of those things. So if you are guilty of fretting because of evildoers, upset because somebody has more than, than you do, then you need to repent of that. It's sin. Don't excuse it. It's sin. It's wrong. And what will help you to repent is to look ahead to the future and see what will happen to those who have so much success, so much prosperity today. They will, as David says, they will wither quickly like the grass and fade like the green herb, and then it's over for them forever. So that's the first way that David instructs us to look and deal with the problem of being upset over evildoers. He says, look ahead to the future. Think of the future. Don't have your eyes on problems here. Think ahead. Look ahead. But as he continues in Psalm 37, he gives us a second way of dealing with this problem. In addition to telling us to look ahead to the future, David also tells us that we are to look up to God. Verse 3, trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and cultivate faithfulness. Now, starting here in this verse, verse 3, David directs, his readers, to turn their attention away from the ungodly and to look to the Lord. From this point until verse 7, everything David says has to do with commanding us, giving us certain commands to enhance our devotion and our relationship with the Lord. In these verses, he commands us, for example, to delight in the Lord, to commit our way to the Lord, to rest in the Lord, to wait patiently for the Lord. All these are commands to enhance our relationship with, with the Lord. And the reason he directs us 
to look to the Lord is because the cure to a fretting and a jealous heart is to make sure that our relationship with the Lord is right. It's right. And we do that by keeping our eyes, our focus, our minds, our attention on him and by cultivating our devotion to him rather than keeping our eyes on other people and on difficult circumstances. So to help us to keep our eyes on the Lord and not fret over evildoers, the first thing David instructs us to do is to trust in the Lord. So what exactly do these words mean? Trust in the Lord. Trust him for what? What exactly is David telling us to trust the Lord for? Well, notice verse 3 again, because David tells us precisely what he means when he says, trust in the Lord by adding these words and do good, dwell in the land and cultivate faithfulness. Let's step back for a moment and let's remember who David was writing this psalm to. He was not writing directly to church age believers such as us. He was writing to the Jewish people, his people, the children of Israel. At the very beginning of Israel's history as a nation, God had made a covenantal promise to them concerning dwelling in the land, meaning the land of Israel, the land that had previously been called the land of Canaan. God gave it to them, and he said in this covenant, If you obey me, I will bless you as you dwell in the land. But if you disobey me, I will chasten you in the land. And if you continue to disobey me, then I will take you out of the land. We find this promise several places in the Old Testament. One is Leviticus 26, starting at verse 3. If you walk in my statutes and keep my commandments so as to carry them out, then I will give you rains in their season so that the land will yield its produce and the trees of the field will bear their fruit. Indeed, their threshing will last for you until grape gathering and the grape gathering will last until sowing time. You will thus eat your food to the full and live securely in the land. I shall also grant peace in the land so that You may lie down with no one making you tremble. I shall also eliminate harmful beasts from the land, and no sword will pass through your land. Now, what we see here is God promising to bless the children of Israel in the land agriculturally and give them peace in the land if they obeyed him. That's essentially what he's saying. I will bless you agriculturally in the land. And I will make sure that your enemies stay away. I'll give you peace in the land. You'll dwell securely in the land. But if they disobeyed him, meaning they disregarded his laws, his statutes, he promised that there would be severe penalties. He said there'll be disease, there'll be drought, there'll be invasion, and even captivity if they disobey. Leviticus 26, starting at verse 14. But if you do not obey me and do not carry out all these commandments, if instead you reject my statutes and if your soul abhors my ordinance so as not to carry out all my commandments and so break my covenant, I in turn will do this to you. I'll appoint over you a sudden terror, consumption, and fever that will waste away the eyes and cause the soul to pine away. Also, you'll sow your seed uselessly for your enemies will eat it up. I'll set my face against you so that you'll be struck down before your enemies and those who hate you will rule over you. 
You'll flee when no one is pursuing you. I'll make the land desolate so that your enemies who settle in it will be appalled over it. And then verse 33, you, however, I will scatter among the nations and will draw out the sword after you as your land becomes desolate and your cities become waste. This is what happened to Israel. This is what happened to Israel. Now, what does any of this have to do with Psalm 37? Listen closely. David says, trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and cultivate faithfulness. What he has said here all has to do with this covenantal promise made in Leviticus 26 about dwelling in the land and being blessed by God while they dwell in the land, if they do good, which means if you obey. See, what David means is this, trust God to fulfill his promise to you, his promise of blessing you in the land if you obey him. This is why David adds the words, and do good. The good that he's referring to, as I just said, that's obedience to the word of God. And the reason he mentions right after this, dwell in the land and cultivate faithfulness. And by the way, faithfulness ought to be translated feed on faithfulness, meaning feed on God's faithfulness, meaning draw your strength, your security from his faithfulness to keep his word. Why? The reason he mentions this is because he's telling them to trust God to be faithful, to keep his word of blessing them with all the good things that he promised to give them in their land if they would just obey his statutes. In other words, what David is saying is don't fret over evildoers who are prospering right now. You just concentrate on obeying God and trust him to bless you like he said he would. He will provide for you if you just obey him. Don't worry about other people. You just obey him. Now, folks, obviously, we're not Israel. and God hasn't given us a spot of land in the Middle East But the same principle does hold true for us as it did for Israel. The principle is this. Don't get upset about what God is doing in the lives of other people. Just make sure that you are taking care of obeying the Lord. And if you do that, then you can count on him to give you everything you need. Not necessarily what you want, but everything you need. This is exactly what our Lord meant at the end of the Sermon on the Mount or towards the end when he said in Matthew 6.33, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things that you worry about will be added to you. Everything you're worrying about, it'll be taken care of if you first seek him and his righteousness, meaning obey him and trust him. He'll provide for you. So don't worry about God giving evildoers some measure of success and prosperity because that success and prosperity is so short-lived. Instead, make sure that your priority is to obey the Lord and then just trust him to be faithful to his promise to meet all of your needs. The apostle Paul said, and my God shall supply all of your needs according to his riches, Christ Jesus. So what have, what have we learned from David today? We've learned that we, we need to look ahead, need to have an eternal perspective, get your eyes looking forward to the future. So I encourage you. It's a discipline. 
Work on disciplining your mind to think about eternity and how brief this world is. Meditate on verses that deal with those things. Also, don't let the success of evildoers upset you or make you jealous. Why? Because their future is dark and horrible. Horrible. But if you know Christ, your future is bright and it's wonderful. This is what you need to be thinking about. Let that shape your thinking, shape your attitude. We've also learned from David that the way to be free from fretting over evildoers is to look to the Lord to meet your needs, trusting him to provide for everything you need. Everything you need, he said he would provide for. I'll say again, Philippians 4.19, and my God will supply all your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. All of them. Now, if you don't know Christ as your Savior, then I urge you to turn to him for salvation before it is too late. When is it too late? After you die. It's too late. Life is so brief. Then you are going to die and face eternity. And you don't want to face eternity. And you don't want to face a perfectly holy God who holds you accountable for everything you've ever done, everything you've ever said, everything you've ever thought. You don't want to face him without Christ. Because without Christ, you have no sin bearer. Without Christ, you have no substitute who has been punished on your behalf. Without Christ, you have no advocate to represent you before the Father. Trust Christ and his death on the cross for your salvation. And then you can face God with confidence. Why? Because your sins will have been forgiven. Your sins will have been taken care of. They'll have been paid for. God, the Father, has looked upon Christ and is satisfied with his death. Make sure that your confidence is in Christ and his death on your behalf. Let's bow for prayer. Father, thank you for these powerful words from David, from you through David. Lord, they're relevant. They deal with attitudes we struggle with at times, fretting and worrying and upset over people who have so much more than us while we struggle and we go through difficulties and we have health issues and we have money problems. Lord, help us to get our eyes off of these problems Help us to look ahead to the glorious future that we have with you. Someday all of this will be over. But we realize for the unsaved, eternity is terrible. They don't have a bright future. I pray, Lord, for those who may not know you and yet they've listened to this message. I pray that you will open their eyes to Christ, open their hearts to the gospel. And we pray, Lord, that you help us who do know you to look to you, to trust you to meet our needs, to not worry, to not fret, to not be upset about what others have, to be content with what you give us because we really own everything. And someday we will come into that vast inheritance that everything in the universe belongs to us because it belongs to Christ. So, Lord, we do pray that you'll Help us, help these words, your words, to shape our thinking this week. Help us to discipline our minds, to to meditate on these great truths that we are citizens of another kingdom 
We are simply passing through here. We are exiles and strangers in this world. This isn't our home. So help us to look ahead. Help us to look to you. All of this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. May the Lord help us to look ahead and to look up every time we're tempted to envy those who seem to prosper as they rebel against God and His principles. If you're a Christ follower, remember Paul's words from Romans 8.18. For I consider the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that is to be revealed to us. Thanks for tuning in. You've been listening to Verse by Verse. Pastor Steve Kreloff, teaching pastor at Lakeside Community Chapel, is our leader for these daily Bible classes of the air. If you'd like to know more about Lakeside, call 727-441-1714. Or on the internet, go to lakesidechapel.com. If you'd like to catch up on any classes you might have missed, we have today's and hundreds of previous broadcasts at our website, versebyverseradio.org. That's versebyverseradio.org. Or if you'd like a CD with this entire three-part message in one piece, call 727-441-1714. Ask for message 5181, Fret Not Because of Evildoers, Part 1. This is Jerry Peterson. In Matthew 5.5, in his Sermon on the Mount, Jesus said, Blessed are the gentle, for they shall inherit the earth. That's not what the world says, is it? Both in our time and in first century Israel, the prevailing wisdom is nice guys finish last. But the people Jesus addressed, as well as the sports figure I just quoted, had a very short-range view of life. I'm sure Jesus' audience was very familiar with Psalm 37, but apparently they needed to be Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.